You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. These numbers are getting more fun as we're counting down to 365. So this will be episode 321, which, you know, hey, I'm all for uh, number games and and having fun. Uh, And, you know, for most of you listening here every day since November 11th, you know, I I love amplifying, you know, only, you know, educating, inspiring, motivating, uh, but also kind of connecting the conversations beyond um, just the the basics and and who's thinking uh, big picture and where this is all going. And we got a fun guest for you today. So you're in luck. You're not stuck just listening to me uh, as far as a solo episode. Of course, before we do that, definitely want to give a, a shout out to our sponsor. It is the Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening October 9th to the 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. I mean, who doesn't want to spend some time out there in beautiful San Diego? Uh, make sure you check that out. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show, as we like to do. Uh, and of course, we've been highlighting one of the NFTs that we're buying every single day. Uh, for a year. And as we're kind of bringing this mosaic collection together, uh, I can just tell you that, you know, it's getting a little bit more complex to bring in uh, 28 different blockchains, you know, all these different wallets. Um, But more so than anything else, it's also getting a lot of fun because we're tapping in uh, to a lot of the projects we've minted all the way back from November, December, all of them that we've been holding on to. And so I'll just tell anyone that's listening, uh, if we minted your collection, uh, your NFT project in our collection from November till now. Uh, check out for your DMs. Uh, I might have a fun little collab for us to do as we have that last uh, 30-day countdown. So with that being said, I'm going to bring in today's guest. And many of you probably know him. If you haven't, you're probably not very active on the NFT uh, Twitter uh, space as uh, you know, Zeneca is not only uh, massively active out there, but I get to see and hear from him in lots of different circles. But actually, the first time we've actually got to have a a chat. So Zeneca, thanks so much for joining us today. I know you have a podcast, lots of things going on, but um, yeah, welcome to the show and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, I got to say the intro to the show was amazing. I was sitting here watching it, the video play. I was like, oh, this is cool because I've been through the same process trying to find a good intro for my shows and no, it was great. I love it. Well, you know, it's funny. We, I was just on a, on a team call just before this, and um, we were reminiscing about we 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 were inspired by the the on November first at the at the NFT NYC event there. Uh, you know, ten days later, we launched the podcast, and I was actually uh, the voice of the intro. He reminded me that uh, it was actually episode three. After I recorded episode three, I sent him an IG DM. I was like, "Any chance you could do an intro voice with?" And I gave him like a little script. Uh, and he fired it back to me like six hours later. I was like, this is the rough draft. And I was like, I don't got time for rough drafts. And I threw it in. And literally, that's the, <laughs> the intro we used for about 200 episodes. So that's kind of uh, how the space works. And you know, as you mentioned, you're creating a, a ton of content, a lot of information out there. And we're going to tap into that. But I would love to hear a little bit. You know, we I, I know we've shared spaces and you're a poker player background. But give me a little bit beyond that. Even talk to me a little bit about how all of that came to life and then how you kind of jumped into Web3. Yeah, of course. So um, 
as you mentioned, I was a poker player before NFTs and Web3, which I did for basically 15 years. And so it was kind of all I did. So growing up, I always loved games. I loved card games, loved video games, loved board games. And then in high school, I was playing uh, a game night at a friend's house. We were playing Halo. We were eating pizza. And uh, during the pizza break, you know, we turned the TV on. And uh, I think World Series of Poker was on. So it would have been 2004, I think. So just after Chris Moneymaker won. And it was like going crazy, blowing up everywhere. And I had never heard of Texas Hold'em before. I'd played like five-card draw with my, my grandma and, and, and family games. But um uh, so my friend, he told us the rules and introduced us to the game. And I, I like something clicked for me. I was like, Hey, this looks fun. This looks awesome. And you know, when I get into something, I tend to get really obsessed and addicted. And, uh, I basically did the same. I went online. I went and found all the forums, two plus two and, and two, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> bought sure. all the books. I think I, I bought like 20 or 30 poker books within that first year and just read and read and tried. And, uh, you know, back in those days, it was relatively easy to make pretty decent money at poker. So, um, you know, that was my last year of high school. And then going into university, I was uh, studying commerce to then do a law degree. But, you know, six months in, I was very much tapped out. And like, you know, my brain wasn't there. I was playing poker on my laptop in lectures. And I was like, all right, let me just, there's no point doing this. Let me just focus on poker and, and play online and travel. And yeah, basically did that for 15 years. And then that brings me to here. Wow, fifteen. Uh, I mean, that's impressive. Fifteen years side. Um, I'm a little bit older, but I mean, moneymaker. I mean, I know the day I, where I was, the day that you know that went all down. Um, and I you know jumped in a little bit online, uh, but I was the same like you. I had never played Texas Hold'em and really until that world. And then I mean, even the books over my shoulder, you know, here in the in the mm. office, uh, you know, a majority of them are poker books. Right? I like to tell people I've read more poker books than I have <laughs> anything else that I've ever done in my life. You know, more than tech or marketing or or any of that side. And I was laughing because you mentioned like how easy that that money making time was there for a good period of time. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of last year. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it for yeah. NFTs, it was so many similarities. Like, yeah, it's such a an interesting uh, connection there. I'm curious for, you know, as a poker player, I mean, I, I've talked about this in the podcast. You know, there's so many you know, nuances that poker players, I believe, have like kind of an advantage here uh, in this space, right? The idea of like understanding like the money management and separating yourself from like dollars and cents. And when I, you know, you know, I'm sure it's the same with you. And you tell a story about like how much you lost in a pot or or like the, you know, this decision you made on the bubble for a tournament. People are like trying to rationalize and you're like, yeah, I'm eating ramen noodles, but like that $23,000 <laughs> jump didn't matter because, you know, I had this percentage. Uh, I'm curious for you, like, you know, are you still playing poker? And like that, that opened the door. Was it the crypto? Where did it go from, you know, playing poker full time to kind of having the spotlight into, you know, where we're at now? Yeah, I, I'm not playing poker anymore. And I'm very happy not to be playing. I was, you know, after 15 years, after 10 years, I was like kind of over it. And it was like, it become a grind. And it's still a fun, interesting, exciting thing to do. But it's not something I wanted to be doing when I was 50. And so I was sort of like always the last like five seven years i was like trying to keep an eye on like what else can i do but i didn't really have any skills or talents or like abilities to really do too much else that at least i didn't think that i did um i actually ended up going back to law school in 2015 or something or going to law school i guess and i did that for like a year year and a half but didn't stick <laughs> it's very dry and and uh difficult of course and uh you know the the lure of poker brought me back in but then um Enter crypto, and and I think a lot, like you mentioned, a lot of poker players make that transition to crypto and NFTs, and 
trading in general, sometimes it's stock markets or currency trading. And it's because we have that um, understanding, that psychology of dealing with swings and, and money and pressure and psychology. And um, and it, something I always, you need to, you have to be like a special kind of crazy, I think, to, to sort of survive in the poker world and, and the NFT world. And um, an example I often give is if you're playing a poker tournament and it's like a big tournament, uh, medium to big tournament, and you come like fourth and you win like $8,000, you know, you tell almost anyone, you're like, I came fourth. And and, and they're, if they're not in the poker world, they're like, congratulations. Oh, my God, you got fourth. Any poker players like uh, patting you on the back. And like, oh, I'm sorry, man, because first was like 80,000. And yep. it's that it's that feeling that you, you don't get unless you're a poker player. And just like in NFTs, if you flip something and you buy an NFT and sell it for 10x and make five grand, but then four days later, it 10x is again and you could have made 50 grand. Uh, it's like it feels awful, even though objectively you just made $5,000 out of nothing. So a lot of similarities. And uh, yeah, I, I got into NFTs and crypto because I had some friends that were poker players. They got in, they told me about it. I thought it was a scam. Uh, NFTs specifically, crypto, I, I sort of bought, um, but then eventually didn't. And yeah, the rest is history. Just fell down the rabbit hole. That's uh, so yeah, I, and I was actually the other way. Like I looked at, I couldn't figure out. Like the crypto just felt so weird, scammy. And then it was like the smart contracts. I was like, wait a second, like yeah. what the hell is that? There could be something, uh, you know, behind that. Um, but I love that you brought. Like I mean, there's so many of those nuances, right? And even you know everything from understanding the odds of you know getting a rare um, when you're minting an NFT, or even just you know some of the you know the components of like, well, yeah, you got in fourth, but you know what was the buy-in? How much of that buy-in was yours? How many mm-hmm. hours did you log? Right? Like I mean, I have a couple of those stories where from the outside people are like man that's a six-figure score and you're like yeah but you don't know how much i already gave up on myself yeah. and uh you know what was that buy-in on that side so yeah it's a, a fun uh you know space uh, and i i'm like you i i i got actually one of my like my things that i was very proud of is my my second daughter was born and uh, i had an opportunity to get a you know a job that was what i considered a dream job and i was like i'm gonna leave poker not because I got broke, uh, but because, you know, I decided to, you know, pivot back. And I, I looked at it as like, I could always go back. And, you know, I live mm-hmm. here in, in Virginia. We have a, uh, there's an MGM now within, you know, driving distance. So I get to play over there some tournaments and such as well. I'm curious, were you a, were, were, were you stronger online, offline, you know, in-person events? What was your, what was your strength? Uh, my bread and butter was online Polymer Omaha cash games. That's what I played. Oh, okay. And, I, I mean, that, that's what I mostly played. I played everything. Like in, in starting right. out, I'd play everything. And then uh, I would still like, even though that was what I primarily played, I would still travel to some tournaments. So um, I went to the World Series a few times. I was yep. based in Australia, so down in Melbourne at the Grand Casino. We had a bunch of events, Aussie Millions. Um, I went to a bunch. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, they basically banned online poker in Australia, similar to America in 2011. Yep. And I went to basically playing home games. And I loved that until i didn't <laughs> it was really fun and exciting for like a year and a half two years but then it really started to wear on me just sort of the online when you're sort of like for lack of a better word taking people's money it's very abstract and you're just winning you know pots against random avatars in person if you see someone coming to the table and like that person clearly has a gambling problem it, it becomes emotionally or psychologically difficult to just turn up every day and feel like you're a good human being so it eventually wore me down and uh that probably helped transition me into uh nfts yeah although i you know i think it probably helped transition but you know we also have that now now what does that element look like here in this space right because you know it is funny on like the doxed undoxed conversation that people are having right like you know that when you put a human behind a lot of this you know that there is such a 
you know, there's a lot of things that kind of come into play, right? And and sometimes for the benefit, others look at that as, uh, you know, there's different balances. I was the opposite. Like I, I was sponsored by an online uh, poker uh, company for a while, and they joked that I was the worst millennial online poker player uh, in history because <laughs> I I just didn't have like like my attention online was just not great. But you put me like 19 hours, you know, at a table in person, and that's where I could you know find my advantage in the in the human condition side of, of the house. And I think that's also like you know very much like NFTs and like you can kind of pick your battles on like, are you, are you playing against one? Are you playing against many? Are you, mm-hmm. are you playing against the field? Right. So there's a, there's some things there. I'm curious, you know, like as you entered the space, what was your first like inkling as far as where was it? Hey, can I could probably drop a collection here or I could be a creator here or I could be an investor here. What was your kind of first touch point or, or kind of, you know, like aha where you leaned into as far as, uh, you know, NFTs and web three. Yeah, very much definitely wasn't, I could, drop a collection i could be a creator because i'm not an artist i'm not a developer i'm not i don't have any of those skill sets uh it was honestly i i thought i was late i was like i was just beating myself up because it was like february march 2021 and you know crypto punks were already tens of thousands of dollars and hash masks had just somewhat recently launched they were a few thousand dollars and it looked they looked really cool and i really wanted one but i couldn't justify the expense because they were they were expensive and but i was just sort of fascinated by it i was like well there's something here let me let me just learn more and um it was actually zed run the um the horse racing game that sort of fully got me in because i was fortunate enough to get in on a drop and a um if you buy one of those horses at the drop time you could like instantly flip for like a 10x and i was like oh that's incredible so that's cool and then one of my horses was fortunately um like a a winning racer and so i just entered into races around the clock and then had my partner enter into races when i went to sleep and and so like just it was just exciting and then from there i was just like I was like, okay, you can make money doing stuff in this space. It wasn't necessarily dropping a collection or even flipping. It was like just being active. And then opportunities just kept popping up randomly. It was like, all right, this new collection, Gutter Cat Gang, is launching. Um, I've missed Bored Apes, but then Gutter Cat Gang shortly came out. And uh, people were like excited about it. I was like, all right, let me just try and mint some. And there was a gas for That was a new thing. And oh, holy crap, these Gutter Cats are going for 10x immediately. And then, and then Bored Apes. And then, yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever heard the phrase "gas war" was in a clubhouse room during gutter, you know, the gutter cat mm. gang uh, mint. Because I, I think prior to it wasn't really even like referred to, and like I mean, most mints weren't. Uh, mm. I think uh, as like kind of hyper or connected at that point. Uh, so talk to me a little bit, like from from there, right? You you kind of get that the the bug. Um, I, I saw a recent tweet that you put out on kind of like your um, Twitter strategy on initially kind of posting about um, active mint prices, and it's definitely I love the like, uh, or active collection uh, like floor values. Floor and stuff. prices, yeah. yeah. I thought that was such a. How did you kind of think of or what was like the like the first ink on that, and then like how did that kind of spiral into some of these other things? Yeah. So uh, let's see. April, May, June, July last year is really when things were going absolutely crazy. And I was basically full-time round the clock trading, flipping NFTs every day. It was like, what's minting? What's and, and it's actually not every day there was a collection to mint. Like sometimes it was like one or two a week. And I remember, you know, people would like build up anticipation to a certain mint project. And then I remember Bulls on the Block specifically was like a massive gas war because they yep. built up so much hype. And that's when the tide started to kind of turn. But anyway, for like for a few months, I was like, just that's all I was doing, flipping. And it was like very successful because it was very difficult not to be successful in the space at that time. If you knew how to like navigate a gas war and, and mint and then immediately flip and had a bit of capital to begin with, 
it was just very difficult not to make money. So I was fortunate, right place, right time. Um, but but also like having the ability to the what's the word the um inclination or the proclivity to take risks as well because not like a lot of people were around that time but they maybe weren't as comfortable minting 10 things for a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars each even though it seemed very likely you could flip it whereas with a poker player mindset i was like well there's a 90 percent chance i can flip all of these for 5x in an hour even if 10 percent of the time it goes to zero and drug that's that's a worthwhile bet um so i did that for a while but and, and somewhere along the way i started creating a little bit of content. So I started my newsletter, which I like I did because I like writing and I feel like I learn best if I'm writing and trying to explain something to someone else. So like I was like, oh this is this is, let me just try this. You know, I tried to start like seven newsletters and blogs over the last 10 years. I used to have a poker one and then it fizzled out. But then I was like, I like food, let me try food. Like I like travel. It never really got anywhere. But then NFTs came along and I was like, all right, this is something I'm really passionate about. No one's really writing about it. So so that started to take off. And then um, the Twitter floor stats is the second bit of content, I guess, that I really started creating. And that was because I was trading and flipping so much, I was always checking the floor prices of like my the collections I owned and, and the collections I was keeping an eye on. So you CryptoPunks and um, uh, other things, uh, hash masks was one of them. And I realized like, I had just, just Google Sheet that I like every day would update and there were like seven projects on there. And I shared it with some friends in a group chat. And one of them was like, hey, this is really valuable. I was like, thanks for sharing. I was like, all right, let me try tweeting it. And then immediately it just blew up. Like Everyone's like, holy crap, this is awesome. Because at the time, you couldn't find floor prices. It just wasn't content that was available. There were none of these websites, no NFT nerds, no IC, no flips.finance, no blur. Uh, OpenSea didn't have floor prices on its front page. It didn't have it on the collection page. I'm pretty sure they didn't even automatically sort by price low to high in the collection if you went to click on a collection you had to go to filter and sort so i was effectively saving people time by posting these floor price updates and i had a spreadsheet where i had every collection i had a url to the OpenSea page for that collection i would just like manually go through every day and update it and yeah and and so that blew up and eventually i basically was starting to feel the same kind of stuff that i was feeling as a poker player at the end where I mean, at the end of the day, the world does not need poker players. You don't feel like you're adding to society. And like, I was like, oh, well, am I really just going to do the same thing but in this space? Um, but given I had started creating content and people were like thanking me and saying, hey, I appreciate the content. I was like, hey, this is what's this warm, fuzzy feeling inside that, you know, I'm doing something that's adding value to the space in people's lives that I enjoy doing. Let me lean into more of that. And so I like started to trade and flip less and get into content creation more and, and that eventually came, uh, brought us to Zen Academy. So I'm guessing that it would answer the question on like why you didn't think of it as like a, an, an, a poker drop because it was actually one of the things I remember, you know, I, like my, I meant to, I started around the same time in the, in the summertime and, uh, and you, I love that you mentioned like, I mean, I mean, talking about data missing, right. And I think that's also as a poker player, I mean, I remember 2009, 2010, 11, yeah. we didn't have much data, right. Like even like, you know, a lot of things like now versus, I mean, now you pretty much follow anyone and there's like this entire book on like, you know, implied odds and projected yeah. outcomes. And I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a game at that level. And I think that gives us, you know, also an advantage of like, 
like I remember I was like, wait, why is it sorting by newest listed? I was like, <laughs> it doesn't give me any, you know, like, yeah. and like, and I thought like the floor price itself, you know, was like, wait, that's the wrong data that I want to look mm. at. Like, I want to know like average sale data. And I remember tweeting that out and someone was like, nobody cares about that in NFT collections. And I was like, shit. I was like, will. yeah, I was like, that seems like a, a viable uh, piece. But I also love that you brought it back to like, you know, going down that like hole of like, well, where, what's my role in this, you know, environment or, or how am I going to show up there? You know, a lot of that is in the idea of like, you know, buy, buying and flipping. And, you know, I think it's often overlooked that like, you know, for you to make money, someone else is losing money, right? Like that's, let's be very clear, right? Like, and yeah. I think poker, that's like part of it as well. Like I always say, like, I didn't gamble. I play poker at the casino, right? I would travel there walk by the blackjack table. Cause I was like, I don't want to give the house money. Like my goal was, you know, find one mark at the table that I was better at. And that's all I had to be, but that was still a person. And I think we have that mm -hmm. in, in this space. And so I love that, you know, and we were opposite in the, you know, I'm not a writer. I actually, I wrote for all in magazine uh, for the poker magazine for about four years. I did a, a blog out in Arizona um, at one of the, you know, it was like the Arizona update uh, every month. Uh, and I tried to convince them to do video and they're like poker players don't want to watch video and i was <laughs> now looking back i'm like man i was a little yeah. early whenever i uh i kind of brought that to life um so talk to me a little bit about so you know like that gets you you know you have the newsletter twitter starting to pop off you're you're active in a, in a lot of collections that are growing your collection is growing um what was the like kind of the the brainchild or, or birth of zen academy and kind of how did that get kicked off yeah so i mean i was thinking about how could I basically make this my full-time job? How could I transition? And it was already my full-time job. All I was doing was NFTs and Web3 and crypto, but I was making most of my money from flipping and trading. And it's, um, again, it's high risk and it's unsustainable, I think, and it's not fulfilling and all that. Um, and so then obviously, you, as a content creator, you think about um, the Web2 models, which is you have a Patreon, you do sponsorships and ads and sell books and um, courses and guides and stuff like that. I was like, well, that's not really the path I want to go down. Like I have my news, my newsletter and it was free and a lot of people have paid newsletters. And I was like, well, I guess I could do that, but we're in the NFT space. Maybe I can sell an NFT that can help support me and that could turn into my job. My, my every, like everything I'm pouring into is like through this NFT project. Um, and that was basically the idea, like where Zen Academy was born from. And I like, in, that, well, that was the idea for like doing something with NFTs. And then how did I get to Zen Academy? Basically, I was like, well, I'm not an artist. I'm not a developer. Again, I'm, I'm not I'm not a creator, really, but I'm a content creator. I, I can monetize my content. Why do people like my content? Because it's generally educational. It sort of helps people learn or it's an informational. It's educational and informational. It informs people about things, gives content, saves them time. And one of the things that was not really existent in the space then, and it's still not great now, is like good educational content or a good way to onboard people into the space. It's just... We all know the learning curve is really steep. It's treacherous. Most people end up losing money, getting scammed, making a mistake, sending money to the wrong address, losing their seed phrase. And so I thought, well, what if, and, and actually the exact um, train of thought that led me to Zen Academy was, uh, I thought about how we all have friends or family members who, you know, especially then would see NFTs on the TV and news and like be like, hey, all right, so I know, you know, Brian is into NFTs. Let me go ask him about how do, how do I get started? And they'll come to you and be like, all right, I, I know you're into NFTs. How can I get started? And so you're like, Whew, all right, take a deep sigh. And then you sort of, you, you have to spend a lot of time and effort and energy holding their hand, setting a wallet up for them, explaining them security. Um, or you give them a bunch of like YouTube links and articles and all this, tell them where who to follow. There's no easy 
onboarding ramp. And I thought, well, what if we could just create this website, Zen Academy? Everyone just directs everyone, go there. It'll take you step by step, get you onboarded safely, bam. That was the idea, and I got really excited by it. And then I realized, like, a couple of weeks in, just how monumental of a task it is to create the website, to create all of the content, to keep it updated, to, you know, ensure that it's accurate, to, to market, to promote. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's too much. That's biting off more than I can chew. So I sort of, like, put a pin in the whole idea. Um, and actually, that was it. I was like, all right, let me just not pursue this anymore. But then I had a, um, a trip to America planned for NFT NYC last year, Artblocks in Marfa. Um, and there was another event, but uh, because of COVID travel restrictions, I couldn't couldn't enter the country. And so the entire month of October basically just freed up for me because I was kind of planning to be away. And so that's when I was like, all right, let me revisit Zen Academy. And instead of trying to launch with everything in place in this one-stop shop, I was like, let me just launch with the basics. Let me just launch a Discord server that is a community of people that might like my content, want to support me, want to come together. And, and from there, I'll build up this community and build out this greater vision, which I had no idea what I was going to do. I very much did not have a roadmap. I said I didn't have a roadmap. I just mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to be in the space, creating content, helping people, educating, and I'd figure it out. And that's that's how we launched, basically. And, and now we are almost a year in and uh, we're still figuring it out, but I, I, we've come a long way. Let's see. I, I know. How, I know that feeling really well. Yeah, it's, we were doing the countdown. Now we're, uh, you know, like forty. We have forty-four or forty. Yeah, forty-four uh, days left to our, you know, one one year on the NFT three hundred and sixty-five side. And you know, I can relate a lot to that. You know, those moments. And I and I, you know, like for me, you know, not only is there not enough educators or not enough information like out there, I also think there's so many, you know. Uh, you know, let's just say paths in for people to be onboarded. And, and I think, you know, how people come in, who who brings them in, there's so many different ways that we still really haven't tapped in as a whole. And, you know, one of the things you brought up about, like, you know, kind of looked at it as a monumental task also, like, I mean, the, the, the content creation and, and like, I think for a lot of people in Web3, what you mentioned about, like, you know, like the sustainability of like flipping every day and like having to make money every day. I think there were a lot of people that were probably right there with you that now are, have a different job, right? They're the ones we, we pretty mm-hmm. much lost over the last, uh, you know, three months because, I mean, not only was that, you know, the predict- no, no predictable income, but also just like no business model that, you know, was actually a world. And it reminds me of poker, right? Like I knew mm-hmm. a bunch of poker player friends that were just riding, like they hit one big score on one big tournament. And then all of a sudden they're into 10K, 10K buy-ins mm-hmm. for like the next two months. And they're like, you know, this is how I'm going to be live. And then, you know, three months later, I'm like, Wait, you're working where? You're doing what? Like, yeah. you know, and like, I think that's a that's an interesting kind of like, uh, you know, through point. I'm curious your take on, you know, last summer was such a different world, right? And I and I think for for many of us that were here last summer, you know, the fall and then the start of this year was interesting. It was a ride, but none of us that don't think we're predicting or ready for what you know has become the last you know last three months as far as the market itself, right? You know, like as far as you know, I would say overall, you know, mental health and overall energy and just, you know, the, the space as a whole. And, you know, we've had not only plenty of rug pulls, but plenty of, uh, of people that have, you know, attempted to extract, you know, money and resources out of this space. How are you looking at like the space now, even from like a onboarding perspective? Cause I mean, there's a couple of people on my network where I was like, hold on, like, I'm not even sure I want to w- want you to come in mm-hmm. yet. Like, I, like what they want to get out of it. I don't think like the space is ready. How are you looking at like where we're at now and kind of having that conversation with your community? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, everything has crashed 90% plus, uh, not just floor prices and, and ETH prices and cash, but like engagement and, and the attention that people are giving 
both people who are in the space, still in the space, as well as the outside community is just way, way, way down. And I love it. Like, honestly, I really do. It's, it's allowing me and, and others, I guess, like me, probably like yourself, the, the, the breathing room to like focus on building to like, it's so cliche to say building at this point and, and, um, and building in bear markets, but it's actually so true. So I, I first got into crypto in 2017, then I left in 2018. When that bear market hit, I was like, all right, I, I don't have the conviction or stomach or like anything. And then I got in again in 2021. So up until like a few months ago, I had, I had only experienced bull markets. And I heard people talk about like a lot of founders were like, oh, I missed the bear market. Like, let's go back to those times. That was, I was like, nah, come on. You're, you don't, nah, no, no, this is too great. Now I kind of get it. Like I really do. I it, It's a time where you can, have meaningful conversations. You can focus on getting stuff done and you don't have the pressure and the mania of worrying about all of the madness that, that comes with a bull run. And obviously it's fun and it's exciting and it's profitable and, and it's a great opportunity to onboard a lot of people, but it's confusing. Like a lot of people think that they're coming to get rich quick and to make a million dollars and that's just not the reality of it. And I think that the relationships and connections that are made during this bearish time um, are so much more valuable and will last so much longer than you know there's so many discord communities that were really buzzing during the bull run and they're now ghost towns just because everyone is only there to make money and and not really for the technology or the possibilities or the networking or the people or the future and yeah so so like the way i'm approaching it now is you know this is a great opportunity to shore up our systems and processes internally, like build out our team scale, um, make sure that we have great content and build better content and onboarding ramps so that people now who are interested have a good way to, you know, properly get into the space, but also to prepare ourselves for the next inevitable bull run where it's not going to be anything like the previous one or the one before that. I think every bull run is different, but just to ensure that we are prepared to, help as many people as possible when the, when the time comes. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's such great context too. And I, I mean, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, I, I would say like one of the things that I like that you kind of walk people through too, right. Is like, we also have, I mean, like if engagement, everything is down all across the bar, right. Like, and I know like we hit, we hit a million downloads of the podcast. I think it was like episode 143 or 145. And I remember people like, man, you know, how many episodes you're going to have when you hit the one year mark. And mm-hmm. I was even like, I got into that. I'm like, damn, we're doing month over month growth, like ridiculous, you know, trending. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know, like we're, we're, we're about to hit like 1.5 million now. And it's like, you know, like that adjustment is also, it's a, you know, there's a little bit of an ego kick, right? There's a little bit of mm-hmm. a, you know, and I remember I reached out to a couple other podcasters and I'm like, I'm just curious. Are you feeling this? And like, do our numbers are way down? I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's like, that, like you know, a little bit of like, we can co-experience that together. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, building and like that, you know, some of it being cliche and I was with you whenever I'm like, why would I want things to be down for me to build? Yeah. Like, like, Give me more money and more people and more attention and I'll build during there. But there is something beautiful about kind of like reconstructing culture, right? And like the culture across the board and like we get to kind of set the bar because a lot of people, I believe that were, you know, there's definitely plenty of bad apples still there now, but a lot of the bad actors that were, were I think we're getting FaceTime. I've kind of left. And that also kind of leaves a little bit of that gap. I'm curious from your, like, if you had to like assess some of the gaps that we have, you know, in the market as a whole, or even in the NFT community as a whole, what are you, where are some of the things that you think like, man, we really could use some people on this or some, you know, projects that look like this. Where do you think the gaps are right now at the moment? It's a good question. Um, I think, 
largely speaking, the gaps in the space are infrastructure and like user UI UX effectively. It's I, I'm always saying that like in order to so go to, in order to go mainstream and like adapt uh, adopt like millions and millions of people into the space, we need two two things. One is education, and that's an ongoing thing and it's happening and it's going to keep happening and, and more and more people are coming around to that and creating good educational content and that's amazing. The other is infrastructure. And you know, we're just no matter how much education we have, it's going to take us 50 years before people can come around to the mentality shift required to understand seed phrases and and securing their own assets and and how the blockchain works with transactions and gas costs and layer twos and and bridges and there's just too much complicated stuff going on and the ui is very confronting you go to use metamask and there's all these numbers and and it's just like what does all this mean and the cost of making a mistake is you lose all your money. Like you send it to a wallet address that's just long string of letters and numbers, and it's like what? What? It's just so convoluted. And you know, once you get it, sure, it it you can make it all make sense, but it takes months of learning. And I think that we need to abstract away the tech, um, and we will eventually, and and get it to like iPhone levels before we get to mainstream adoption. So I think the biggest gap I'm seeing. It's being filled, and a lot of people are working on this. But like, we need more people building out better tools and better infrastructure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I was, I, you know, the last couple of CPG uh, club calls, and they're doing like kind of the, the builder incubator there. And I was like, like every person that spoke, I'm like, yes, we need more of that. Yes, we need more. Mm. And it, it actually ties back to like what we were talking about at the beginning. Like you mentioned the two plus two forum, and you know, for non poker players, I mean, this was the gold of all golds. It's where all of us lived, where we shared our our bad beats, and we shared, um, you know, tournaments we were going to. We shared, you know, who to look out for. You know, you know, a lot of that side. But there was also I mean, some of the greatest tools and analytics and components came out of those two plus two forums. Mm-hmm. And I like as you brought that up, it also hit me like we did have kind of like a centralized place, right? Like unlike right where NFTs is like when we have 200 discords to manage, right? Like where, where how do we and where in that poker world, weirdly enough, and I think it had a lot to do with the times, right? It was it was pre-social mm-hmm. media. And like it was literally for those that are curious, like it was a forum of all forums. Like it was the like 1999 structure, like, you know, Craigslist original type forum. But I mean, I, I often said like I would find you know, I would, I would fly in for a tournament, get knocked out like in an hour and a half. Right. And then like, you know, get into the two plus two form. They'd find me a game, you know, somewhere around there. And I'd be able to, you know, make things back. And like, it was just such a great, you know, uh, sense of community and networking. And I, I struggle to see like, you know, you know, with us so disconnected, right. It's such a, it was, those are a little bit of the good old days uh, of community building. And I want to tie like that part into where you're at now. Cause I think, you know, one of the things, you know, we, we can talk about like, you know, you know, Discord's being a little bit less active. We know Twitter has become like the hub of really public conversation, but there also does seem to be kind of like a, a disconnect a little bit in like the haves and the have nots in some of like collection drops and like, and, and where like kind of people think about like products, they're invest projects, they're investing. How are you looking at like either new projects that are dropping or assessing projects that are still kind of coming along? Like, how are you like analyzing to say, Hey, this is worth you know, either, you know, buying into yourself or worth, you know, bringing them in to talk to your community. How are you assessing those that you kind of feel are are in it for the right reasons? Yeah. So I'm interestingly, I, I made a tweet the other day, which is basically the, the quality of projects coming out now has never been higher and the, the market has never cared less. And so if we go back to like a year ago, most of the projects were just like this Fiverr art PFP with no real room. Now we have like 
projects launching that have been building for a year, 18 months with like really sophisticated art and a stacked team. Maybe they've raised funding to have a, a playable game and, you know, a really high quality animation. And it's, Mark is like, eh. And it's just like, you know, it's a state of the market. It's it, the macro is bad and everything is down and it's hard to get attention. But um, there's no shortage of excellent projects, but I'm, I'm still not convinced it's so hard to know where things will go in the future. Like there's so much supply. And so price-wise is is $100 or like 0.1 ETH still like is a good price to buy something that you're one of 10,000 of? Maybe, maybe not. And I I try not to spend too much time thinking about it. It's kind of, as, uh, to my mind, a case of either everything's way overvalued or, or not, <laughs> or everything's kind of undervalued. And... Um, in terms of new upcoming projects, I don't really keep an eye on much. I think I just sort of am a little removed. I, I don't do too much buying and trading myself unless I sort of organically know one of the people involved or one of the team members and, and something I get in. Um, I have like my team helps with collabs and partnerships and with the community side of getting mint list spots and stuff like that. Um, and I, I sort of, I have a different lens and a hat on where I look at other projects and think about what they're doing and, and how they're managing their communities and how can I improve upon that or like what's working what's not like um there's so many examples of projects over the last six months that have made big announcements and i'm just like a fly on the wall in their discord i'm, I'm listening into twitter space and i'm learning and i'm like all right this is what the community likes this is what doesn't because i want to really over the next six months build out the the next phases of zen academy to be sort of this i really think it's going to be something special that we haven't really seen before in the space and uh yeah, I sort of don't really buy or sell or trade anymore. And in terms of like the, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of selling a little bit at the moment just to de-risk. But in terms of the uh, previous collections, I sort of have a list of like 10, 15 that I have like very high conviction in because I've done the research. I know the team. I know the community. I'm like, all right, these are, these are going to make it. Like they, they've got funding. They manage their treasury well. They're smart people. And then there's probably like 50 to 100 where I'm like, they're probably, maybe, who knows? And then after that, I, you can't keep track. That's so funny. So two episodes ago, uh, for those that are listening on the podcast, uh, I, I did. A, I, I had a friend hit me up three weeks ago, and literally was like, like the typical nagging. Like, I mean, he had ETH, and he's like, I want to buy in, and he, you know, it took me three weeks to like figure out what he cared about because I told him I was like the same mm-hmm. way. I was like, I got a list of about a hundred that are like, eh. I was like, but like if you start telling me what your like value is, I'm gonna start mm-hmm. narrowing that down, and eventually. I, uh, yesterday or two days ago, I guess I got to send him a text message. And I was like, check out these 10, like do your own research. Yeah. Like, you know, here's 10. So uh, I love that you kind of teed that up as well. And it kind of fits in that, in that bucket. And, you know, as I, we kind of pull this all together, right? Like, I mean, you know, poker, the poker side of the house, like, and there is such uh, you know, I feel, you know, the more poker, we had a couple of team uh, people from the crypto uh, Hold'em team on, uh, on the show as well. And we kind of geeked out on, you know, some of that, like, you know, the shared, you know, lessons in life and like the ups and downs. And like, you know, one day you mint something and you got like a rare, the next day you realize it was a rug pull and you, you have a rare <laughs> of something that's nothing, right? Yep. And like the poker world is like that. You, you end day one as the chip leader and you text your friend on an hour after day two and you're knocked out and you're like, yep. I, I couldn't fold aces in the spot. I should have pulled it. You're like, it's such like our world, right? Uh, I'm curious, like if you were, you know, for, as we kind of pull it together, for those that are listening that, you know, we have a, a, an audience, I think, that are, are, are really creators that are that wanting to launch their collections. But I think they also recognize that it's no longer the days of, of you know, summer last year where you could just, you know, sneeze out a project and things minted out for uh, the most part. 
Um, where, you know, if, if you had, a, if you had to look at like kind of a lens of like that, like those that are looking at launching a project or, you know, where do you feel like the, the, maybe some of the mistakes they're, that they can making, or maybe even something that they should be focusing on right now prior to launching, you know, an upcoming collection? Yeah. Wow. I could, I could talk for about five hours on this <laughs> topic. I spent a lot of time thinking about it and like 30 hours a week talking to other project founders. It's, I think fundamentally, I think a lot of founders, creators skip the step of thinking about why, like why, why are they launching an NFT project in the way? Why are they doing this? Why do they need to do NFTs? A lot of people think, oh, it's fun and exciting to, NFTs are fun. Um, I'm going to do something with NFTs. Here's an idea and let me try and make NFTs work with it. And I think those projects rarely work out. Um, people whose why is to make money, that those days are over. It's like, they rarely work. If you don't have some purpose, some meaning, some desire, some product, some service that you can offer to the market that's of actual value, it's very unlikely that you're going to make it and succeed. Um, I think product market fit is really, really, really important. So you can have an excellent product, but if the market isn't ready for it, sometimes you're too early, sometimes you're too late. Um, Metaverse fashion is something that I think a lot of people suffered through being too early you know, last year, a lot of these projects are coming out and they were really cool. They're doing really cutting edge stuff, but it's like people don't care about metaverse fashion when no one's actually in these virtual worlds for the most part. And I think a lot of them suffered from being too early. And uh, yeah, when it comes to services, I think that's a great industry and we need a lot more, like we need better tooling. We need better infrastructure. Uh, I, yeah, I really think that there's a lot to be done there. I think what a lot of projects don't do, which I find kind of crazy, is just look at the competition. And so the amount of times I'm talking to someone and they're talking me through their project and their deck, and I've heard the exact same thing five or ten times before, and I mentioned to them like a few of the – and they're like, oh, and they're writing down. They're like, oh, what's this one? I'm like, you should have done this research way before you've put all this time and effort into building out something because here are five – teams that have been building the exact same thing for six months they're so far ahead of you um that's not to say that you shouldn't build something that someone else has already done but you have to do a much better job of it and it's like in order to grab market share away from an existing incumbent it's like you have to be an order of magnitude better and so the examples i often use are like discord people are always saying and someone should make a, a better discord or a, a discord killer and it's like sure that i mean i'm sure that it's not that difficult to make a piece of software that's better than discord it's very difficult to get people away from their communities same with like premint premint is something that basically everyone in the space uses um way less entrenched than discord so like it's only been around for less than a year yes you can pull market share away from premium you can do better and people are competing in that area but it's very difficult because everyone got so used to it it became a household name became a name that people largely trusted so i mean it all comes down to think about your why and then um product market fit and then networking and i I really think that networking and marketing go hand in hand and so like so many people build amazing products but they don't think about how to market it and that's that's the problem you get when you get like engineers or even creators who are like great at creating something but they don't have that marketing hat and you need someone with that because there's so many projects out there and, and it's difficult to grab people's attention and you need to find a strategy that can capture their attention and have all the other stuff uh yeah i can go on there's a lot I, but no, yeah I mean, that, I mean i couldn't agree more i mean each one of those points are so and I, i'm with you the amount of times that i'm like have you heard like they're like we're the first ever to do this is like and i'm like 
have you not? I was like, I have, I own three <laughs> in my bag. Like you didn't even have to go far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally have gone to my, to my wallet. Yeah. And, um, and you also mentioned like, you know, the metaverse fashion, we mentioned a couple in our collection, you know, buying one every day here uh, on the show is like, we mentioned one in, you know, one in December, one in January. And I love both of the projects, you know, innovative, yeah. strong leaders, but you were spot on, you know, like that product market fit. And also just like, you know, we have to like, we have to prove certain other elements have to be uh, kind of proven first before they can kind of go forward. So, you know, Zeneca, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, I have to ask, I mean, we, we both brought up poker. Uh, you know, are you superstitious? Do you have a, did you have a favorite starting hand? What, what, what was yours? Do you have one? Uh, I'm not superstitious. I, I didn't really have a favorite starting hand. Cause again, I played Potlum in Omaha, uh, which was right. like, it's difficult to have a favorite. Starting. I think the last time I did have a favorite starting hand, which was 10, seven suited back in the olden days when I played, hold them cash games with my friends like first starting out that was the hand and i was like right, i'm gonna play this even though it's not a great hand yeah 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 i would so jack nine was mine so i was in that same little yeah, you know, ballpark. yeah. And like i forced jack nine to win me a tournament one day so that i could just say that it was like that was the one but like <laughs> my implied losses prior to that becoming my favorite hand was like radio and i make my biggest my biggest tournament win when i i, I took I, I took down a couple tournaments but like my most profitable one i won with queen three off right so like give me a break on like you know like it was definitely one of those like i had the i had the lead we were down the three people and you know got lucky to yeah into a, a flop that made a lot of sense right so it's i just love that and you know i think that's there's also like just that poker side of you know whatever you come into with nfts the opportunity to branch out to other games other utility other value is like i mean we're so thankful for hold'em right but hold'em like opened the doors to all of a sudden like i mean I played a lot of the, you know, the split, uh, you know, uh, no limit and limit hold'em uh, at WSOP, and like that wasn't even a thing. Like no one even like, yeah. no one even cared about it. Like some maybe like the rich guys played it in the Bellagio every once in a while, but um, you know we have to think about NFTs that same way, right? Like people are coming in maybe with a PFP, but the opportunity for them to kind of find their lane afterwards is uh, is pretty powerful. So you know, Zeneca, I appreciate you spending the time with us. Love what you're building. You know, we are we are definitely aligned in hopefully you know educating, informing, inspiring. Uh, those that are out there. We'll include some links um, in our show notes for sure. And hopefully we get to hang out in person sometime soon and uh, and we can uh, we can hang out and take that level. Are you are you you down under still? You're in Australia now or are you where uh, so I'm from, I'm Australian but I'm based in Munich in, in Germany. At the okay. Um but I'll be in Vegas in a few weeks. There's a web three conference there. I don't know if you go into that, but I'm gonna try and play some poker for the first time in, in a while. Nice. Nice. And uh it's Oktoberfest right now and I, I have happened to yeah. uh my last four times to uh, Munich uh, in my previous <laughs> life for the government, they always scheduled me during Oktoberfest because they love to take care of me. And uh, when I uh-huh. when I saw my you know like Facebook notifications came up today, and it's like me standing on a table with a a pint on my hand, and I remember like <laughs> I had to sneak into the tents. I didn't have tickets back then. I was like that you know annoying tourist that uh, kind of infiltrates uh, Munich right now. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, look forward to linking up. And uh, you know for all those listening, we'll make sure links in the show notes. Uh, Zeneca's a great follow on Twitter uh as well and as always my friends uh until tomorrow make it a great day cheers the mint 365 collection 100 day countdown is on we're counting down to november 11th when we'll auction off all 365 nfts as one collection including a custom mosaic of all the art want to bid on this one-of-a-kind web 3 time capsule for details keep listening to nft 365 If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own 